welcome. As always, even though we earned the two generations gaming banner, this is one guy reading. Whether you meant to or not, you found Noob's Book Club. I'm Sean, Noob of All Trades, and in this series, I am reading and reacting to Ready Player One. Actually, in this episode, what I'm doing is I'm doing the movie verses finally for Ready Player One to finish up that series and get ready for the next series. Dragons of Fate, the new Dragonlance book. I won't be able to record it all over the next week, but hopefully the book comes in tomorrow before we before we leave for the Cape and I can start reading it and taking notes to get ready to record and release. And now time for movie versus Ready Player One. This movie slash book combo actually is a good one to study to study as a comparison for a couple of reasons. First, all of the characters look and act as you'd expect them to. Sure, some of the minor details are different, but the essential properties remain the same. That gives the reader slash viewer a comfort level when you end up changing the story. That brings me, predictably, to my second point. They changed the story for the movie, like a lot. So much that I found myself going from taking notes to writing up a synopsis as the first section of this discussion. Very little from the book survived into the movie. But, and that brings me to the third point, many of the themes remain intact. For a book that at least tries to tackle some deep issues, that's important. I argue that it's more important than the story, and maybe even the characters. But, I appreciate them keeping the characters intact. As for the story, it mostly still works. And now for my synopsis. So I started by just listing things. Uh, the movie starts with Jump from Van Halen. There's a Pizza Hut drone. Mrs. Gilmore shows up. Very briefly, he talks about corn syrup droughts and bandwidth riots. We actually see his hideout. When he logs into the Oasis, Minecraft pops up. I thought that was kind of cool. They show Ludus in the flyover. That's where he goes to school. Or at least he does in the book. I think he's out of school by the time the movie starts. Wade lives in Columbus, which is different. Dido and Shoto are already known. There's artifacts. They show the giant robot for 10 minutes, which you can turn into. Uh, as they were going through the people on the Oasis, I related to the lady who was burning her house down, because, as many of you know, I did the same playing Mario Kart with my kids many, many years ago. Then it goes into Everybody Wants to Rule the World when you go into the Oasis, and they play a Joan Jet song. I can't remember which one it was. Okay, now for the more synopsis write-up that I went with once I figured out that the movie was much, much different from the book. So the holiday funeral video is not as much of an event. It's basically just him talking. It doesn't have, like, the cameos that they talk about and the, the songs and that sort of thing. It's much more subdued. The first key, they jump right into it. Uh, it's a race instead of what they have in the book. Wade already has his DeLorean. Artemis pulls up next to him in the race. He ends up moving to the back because he doesn't have a lot of fuel. So he has to collect coins so that he can buy fuel, even though H saved him a spot at the front of the race. H drives a Bigfoot. Wade geeks out when Artemis pulls up next to him. I figure they chose a race because it's more exciting than a dungeon crawl and video game battle, question mark. At the end of the race, Wade saves Artemis on the way to the finish line. King Kong destroys her bike. He takes her back to the workshop, to H's workshop to fix the bike. 
And then shows off H's stuff. H has a friendly little banter with him, saying that he's basically simping for Artemis, which is similar to the book. And while H is fixing the bike, Wade and Artemis try to outdo one another on holiday trivia, kind of play, paying homage to that part of the book. They also pay homage to the plans. Instead of buying a rocket ship, Wade talks about buying a mansion and a whole bunch of other crap. She basically calls him a bitch because she feels that the contest is more. They're fighting against this evil of IOI, and she thinks that he's just not taking it seriously enough. During that part of the conversation, he gets called back into the real world. Then he shows off the abusive nature of the ant's house. He talks a little bit about his name and his parents, not as much as in the book. He does the superhero name thing. Then as he's falling asleep, he says, Halliday hated making rules. It's going over and over and over in his head as part of the trying to figure out the whole race thing. Is it just because Artemis said it, he simps? Nope. Then he logs back in to try to make sense of it. Watches a conversation between Halliday and Ogden. Ogden says they need rules. Halliday wants no more rules. Why can't I just go backwards for once? That phrase also sticks with Wade, and when he gets to the race the next time, he applies that to the race. Artemis tries to get him to tell her what the secret is, because she senses that he knows. He goes backwards in the race, a secret passage opens, and he runs the race backwards, under the course, past Kong, and onto the finish line. The disembodied orchestra plays a fanfare to him, and he gets the key, the clue, in first place on the scoreboard. Cut to IOI trying to figure out who he is and how to deal with him. Then Sorrento goes on to talk about the ad space that they'll sell when they take over the Oasis. Wade and H goes shopping. I noticed that they were there. There was this thing called this Zemeckis Cube that he buys, which is obviously a play to Robert Zemeckis. More on that later. They show Sorrento logging into the Oasis. He has his password on his chair like a noob. Bossman69 and Leet speak. He ends up meeting with IROC, who defeated a boss to get him the orb that they're going to need later on. If you read the book, you know why. Sorrento wants him to also take care of Wade. So there's not that tension of IROC wanting to be a part of the clan. IROC is just completely out. He's on his own. He's basically just for hire to IOI. Within the second clue, they talk about the creator who hates his own creation. They retrace the steps, and they think it is Halliday, and that's what the, the movie obviously wants you to think, too, as they're going through and showing the different um, clippings that Wade has of Halliday up on his wall. I noticed that Kira is Karen. I can't remember if she was actually Karen in the book, and they called her Kira, or she was actually named Kira, but I did notice that in the movie that they introduced her as Karen initially. Wade goes back to the journal. Artemis, disguised as Goro, tells him that he needs to disguise too. She gives him Clark King glasses, which are pretty funny because she puts them on, and it doesn't change his appearance at all, but he's unrecognizable. I thought that was a fun little Easter egg there. Six days before the Oasis goes live, that's what they watch at the journal. Sorrento started there as an intern. He, during the conversation, is pushing for quote-unquote levels by monetary level. The more you pay, the more you get. They talk a little bit about Halliday's date between him and Ogden. Um, that introduces the love triangle a little bit. Kira 
for the date, wanted to dance. Wade gets a quarter from the curator for winning the bet. If you read the book, you know what the quarter is. I knew what it was instantly. Then Artemis, not wanting to miss their chance, invites him dancing. In the next scene, we get a glimpse of the basement. H gives him the dude speech that you don't know who Artemis is in real life, for all we know. He's some 300 pound dude in his mother's basement type thing. But Wade still goes and meets Artemis at the club. The club scene plays out almost identical to the book with the added contest content. Also, Ogden doesn't save them at the end. Wade uses the Zemeckis cube to turn back time. It just clicked Zemeckis back to the future. You can control time with it. I thought that was pretty neat once I put that all together. Wade shoots his shot against Artemis. She freaks out. She tells the story of her dad who died in debt to IOI. Then she splits at that point. So it doesn't play out identical to it. Pretty close though. Iraq finds Wade because he's dumb and gives his real name during the dance with Artemis. Slash love declaration. Then the meeting with Sorrento. Wade notices the password. Meeting actually goes much like the book. Again, not identical, but it's more or less the give or take. Sorrento offers him something. Wade declines. Sorrento says, I'm glad you did that because now we can handle this like professionals or whatever. Then he handles it like the evil son of a bitch that he is with the explosion. While trying to contact the crew, Wade gets abducted and wakes up in a warehouse. They want you to think, I'm sure that IOI got him, but bait and switch, it's Artemis. He's still smitten, even with her birthmark. Aw, sweet, right? They both come to the conclusion that the leap is the kiss he never gave Kira during the movie they watched, The Shining. Off to the Overlook. They have five minutes. The twins show up. The blood comes out of the elevator as the blood is pushing H along the hallway. He notices a picture of Halliday and Kira. A naked lady comes out of the bath and then dies and then turns into a zombie. There's the axe that comes through the door. Here's Johnny type thing. H falls into the maze. Dido and Shoto get the key, but they call him Show. That's a little bit different, but somebody explained it that his name in the book, that his name in the movie is Zhao, but everybody calls him Show, so it makes sense. On the way to the room, H mentions the picture. The ballroom leads to an early holiday game. Artemis leaps. They're all ejected. She jumps and jumps and jumps and saves Kira from zombies in the ballroom. Asks her for a dance. Gets the key and the clue. IOI is a mess with the Shining Challenge. People are running and screaming and dying, and it's actually a pretty funny little scene, cutscene there. In real life, they look for the tattoo guy who kidnapped Wade and brought him to Artemis. IOI does. They're trying to figure out the clue. Wade and Artemis from the second one. IOI busts in this time. Artemis runs a diversion to send Wade off to win the contest. She gets sent to the dead center. H finds Wade during his escape. Then... Dido destroys a drone. The Sixers are ahead of them, just like in the book. An Atari 2600, with every game, is the challenge. Joust and Pitfall both get a mention. IOI uses the orb to set up the force field. Somehow, Wade and Dido make it to Sorrento. They threaten him to get to Artemis. Oh, I get it. They zapped him and tricked him. Getting out is surprisingly easy. All she has to do is like reach up, pull this panel, click this thing and the door opens and tells her that she's on a break or something like that. It's pretty interesting. 
if IOI just went in alphabetical order, for some reason they don't, they'd have figured out this adventure pretty quickly. Artemis uses a drone to dismantle the field instead of, you know, the whole setup in the book where he has, like, this thing. She just speaks some magical spell instead of running a diversion or whatever. And the assault begins to the song, We're Not Gonna Take It, by Twisted Sister. There's lots of pop culture references in the fight. DVA from Overwatch, Chucky, eventually Sorrento unleashes Mecha Godzilla. Dido joins in as Gundam. Wade hits for the challenge. Dido changes back and gets killed in the Oasis, not in real life. H rejoins the fight, and Artemis tosses a bomb to kill Sorrento again in the Oasis. Iraq blows the bridge, preventing Wade from moving on. Ace falls as the Iron Giant and creates a new bridge and pays for it as Iraq shoots her free. Show kills Iraq. Artemis escapes easily from IOI in real life. The IOI guy playing adventure beats the game and loses. Wade steps up to get the key. Sorrento and Iraq show up. Wade goes full Hadouken and Johnny Cage on him. Sorrento, just like in the book, blows everyone up. Except Wade, because he got the one-up quarter. He goes for the key again. They find and pick up Artemis. IOI finds them too. Sorrento decides to go for them. Wade wins. Sorrento catches them and rams the van. The gate with three keyholes opens. It leads to Anorak's throne. He says, quote, sign and it's yours. In real life, they continue to fight off IOI. Wade sits down the sign and then says, no, this is wrong. It's a test. Just needed to be sure, Halliday, back in his room. He shows him little Halliday, then the big red button, which Wade almost presses because of the bumper car shit that's happening in real life. Halliday initially can't find the egg. Mrs. Gilmore doesn't die. She actually leads the resistance against IOI. Oh, there's a rush poster on the wall. Halliday gives the quote-unquote real-world speech. Then he finds and passes off the egg. So it was probably all just a designed plan to be able to tell the speech before he gave the egg. The cops show up to arrest Sorrento. Halliday is not an avatar, but Halliday is dead. That's when I think in the book I talked about how it was maybe like Halliday had his essence loaded into the Oasis or something along those lines when he died. Oh, this is what I say here, yeah. He uploaded his consciousness into the Oasis. That's my theory. Then, out of nowhere, Ogden shows up. Wade and Artemis kiss. H is wearing 2112 t-shirt. These are just some of the things that I noticed as things were going on. Wade splits the prize with the others. Og reveals himself as the curator. Wade lets Og in on the real Rosebud, that he is the real Rosebud, not Kira. Halliday always hated that he lost the one true friend that he had. Then they sign Og to a contract, shut down the IOI centers, and they have no oasis on Tuesdays and Thursdays as part of trying to get people to break the habit. And now my discussion of the changes from the movie to the book. I appreciate why they changed the first trial and gate. A race is much more interesting and visually appealing than a dungeon crawl and joust battle against AI. Also, as the D&D movie showed, the game might still be a little too niche for moviegoers. Besides, they gave us the taste of the quote-unquote living the movie with The Shining Challenge. They picked a more popular movie and one with more possibility for action as the centerpiece. In the book, they used war games 
and they use Monty Python, and I think there was one more, but maybe not. But The Shining allowed for a bigger splash, a bigger spectacle than those two movies. Also, they kept the final challenge more or less intact, even if they removed much of the pomp and circumstance from the encounter. So, while initially surprised by the decisions, I understand and support their choices. The one choice that I do find interesting is that in the face of some of the criticism of the book, they made Artemis a damsel in distress. Instead of sticking to the book and making it both a trial for and plan of Wade, they fall back on an old trope and feed into the narrative. Surely they knew about the discussion. That's what makes the choice even more confusing. Oh well, just wanted to put that out there. Another change that I initially didn't like, but since thinking about it, I actually think it's clever. Instead of having Og be an ever-present character, they push him into the background. However, they do work him in as the hero anyway. However, they work him in as the hero anyway when they reveal him as the museum curator that gave Wade the extra life quarter. I like this subtle nod to the books, and Og's place as benefactor is preserved. But, I already told you why I'm not going to play book snob on this one. I mean, as you might expect, I don't often fall back on the quote, book is better than movie quote argument. I may often feel that way, but let myself enjoy each in their own way. Why does everything need to be ranked in a hierarchy? Just have fun and enjoy yourself. But, I give them a huge pass here because they keep the themes of the book mostly untouched. A discussion about the themes. I mean, making a blockbuster movie for a bunch of billionaires, parenthetically, oh, I bet one of the producers asked for the damsel in distress story. When all else fails, blame a billionaire. End pretty long parenthetical. Then it might be difficult to stick too much of your thumb in their eye. Related, but from my ear, Greta Gerwig managed to do just that with Barbie. Then again, undermining the economic system that gave them billions? Probably a bridge too far. I mean, they kept the token evil corporation in the plot, complete with some social commentary. But, I'll venture a guess that it only made it into the movie because the studio execs considered themselves quote-unquote good billionaires. Spoiler alert. As the strike shows, they aren't. So, understandably toned it down, but still there. The thing they really lean into, and build their closing argument around heavily, is the real life versus online. Halliday himself stresses that no matter how realistic, real is the only thing that's really real. I don't argue that. As I talked about before, I've lived a few lifetimes both in real life and online, and for the most part I prefer in real life. And honestly, I think that many people agree. But even with our comparatively limited technology, online proves to be a tempting place to visit, sometimes for lengthy periods of time and to the detriment of other aspects of our life. Sooner or later, though, we always return to the real world. So an easier one to include, and one that perhaps resonates more with the audience, understandably included. The other themes in the book mostly just arise from the plot or the characters. They don't explore them as deep in the movie, but if you read the book, you can see the seeds there. In closing, I enjoyed the book more. So yes, technically, the book was better. But I also liked the movie. It captured the heart and the soul of the book. I disagree with some of the changes, but other than Artemis being trapped instead of Wade, I don't think that they detract from the story. Even that one is fine, like I said. It's just a weird decision to me. So, if you only watched the movie or read the book, I recommend doing the other. They offer two very different experiences of the same story. If you never read the book, then read it. After that, listen to the rest of this series of Moves Book Club. Then, get in touch, and we can have a conversation. As always, thanks for listening. You can find us, if you haven't already, at www.twoguysgaming.net. We have articles, a link to our socials, including our YouTube page, which right now just has 
my daily playthrough of the RPG calendar. But I have some other ideas to populate the page as well. So hopefully I'll get some other videos up there and we'll get more interest. I read the first three chapters of Dragons of Fate and I just have to take notes for that. The first installment of that is probably going to come on the 15th, I believe, is the date of August. And then I will release on Tuesday and Thursday each week so that I can stay up with the schedule and stay on the schedule. That will give me about a month and a half out of that book, and then I'll have to find something else to read after that. Right now I have nothing planned. So if you have any ideas for books that I could read, let me know, and I will consider them. I will talk to you again in the first installment of Dragons of Fate. Talk to you then. Bye, guys. We are.